Welcome to Outside by Design, the podcast about the business side of creativity in the outdoor industry. I talk to some of our industry's finest leaders, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and creatives about crafting a life and a career based upon being outside. What's up, all you marketing managers and writers and photographers and creative people in the outdoor industry? Welcome back to another episode of Outside by Design. I am your host, Lisa Slagle, and I own a creative agency called Wheelie, um, and we are a branding agency for people who thrive outside. So be sure to check us out at wheeliecreative.com. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Katie Lozansich. Most people just call her Katie Lowe. And she's a photographer and digital content contributor at Teton Gravity Research. We talk all about um, what brands can do to tell deeper stories than just spreading the stoke and tackling tough conversations and um, kind of just talk about the difference between branded content and editorial content and how that those lines are getting blurred. We kind of we talk about what makes a good story and all the progressive things that Teton Gravity Research is doing when it comes to being an action sports media house that tells bigger stories um, and addressing kind of these act, addressing what people are really going through in mountain towns other than catching air and going fast. So um, it's an interesting discussion. Katie is a really really smart person who is always getting after it and is a very hard worker who cares a lot about her craft and the she cares so much about the people that she interviews and I think Katie's just one of the all-around coolest people that I've ever met so enjoy the conversation and I hope you get something out of it. Hey, Katie, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, Lisa. It's awesome to be on the show. Yeah. So the first question that we ask everybody is to describe their setting and what's going on. So where where are you at right now? I'm currently in Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Um, yeah, right at the Tetons. I love it out here. I've been calling this home for about the past three years off and on. So just recently in February, I've moved out here full time and I think this is like one of the most beautiful spots in the country. Awesome. Are you recording from your house or work or what are you doing? Yeah, I'm um, recording from my room at the moment because I recently broke my collarbone. So I'm a little bit bedridden for the next week. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) I don't know. Did you know that? (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm like, I'm actually not on any medication right now, but I'm icing and relaxing because I can't really do much at the moment. No. <laughs> what happened? Um, yeah, great story. Um, I was racing my first enduro this weekend and um, something I was really excited about. And on stage two, close to like the end, my chain, this is what I think happened because it happened so fast, but it like locked up I got sent over the handlebars and landed square on my shoulder and was a clean break and I thought I was okay and was really stubborn and I wanted to finish so I kept biking for a couple of minutes <laughs> and was like this is not this is not okay something's wrong <laughs> so yeah that's uh that's the gist of it 
Oh, no. Where was that? Where was the enduro? Uh, Grand Targhee, which is uh, about 40 minutes from here. So that's a Jackson Hole Mountain Resort has a bike park. And then Grand Targhee is the one that's close to Victor and Driggs, which is on the other side of Teton Pass. And their bike park is much bigger. And it's probably one of my favorite places to ride around here. Until now. I know, right? Wow. <laughs> well, it's funny because I got through the super gnarly part of the race, which was what I was scared about. And then this ended up happening on one of my favorite trails, which I'd ridden a number of times. So that's the that's how it goes with mountain biking, right? Yeah. So how long are you out? Mm, I haven't, like, the ER doc says about four weeks. So I'm not too bummed because that gives me enough time to heal before ski season, which is like a priority. <laughs> Um, but I'm meeting with the ortho this week and that will kind of confirm if I don't need surgery, which is like fingers crossed. That's what I really don't want to have to do right now. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty high spirits cause collarbones, I've had a lot of friends get injury or injured recently and, um, like ACL hip surgery, like a whole gamut. And I'm like, well, collarbones heal, like it'll be okay. <laughs> so it's just kind of interesting. Yeah. And you just got back from Crankworks, right? Yeah. And that's what's kind of funny is, I mean, obviously I was there for media. So I was riding my bike here and there. But like I was with some friends who raced the EWS and um, they like took me on some of their trails and I was riding like a good portion of it. But it was some gnarly, gnarly stuff. And um, and just seeing like what those athletes are putting their body through and like coming back from that and not being like being unscathed and then just to like get hurt on my local trails is just kind of ironic, I guess. So, um, but I don't know with mountain biking, that's just so part of our culture. I'm not saying like, I'm stoked that it happened, but I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, this is just kind of the risks that we accept when we want to do this sport. Yes. And skiing and really any of, yeah. any of the adventure sports, I guess. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very interesting. Yeah. How, uh, How'd the media side of Crankworks go for you? It was awesome. Um, Crankworks, so this is my second time going. And um, the first time I went, I was with an, an intern with Freya Magazine. And I really liked mountain biking, but I wasn't like a huge mountain biker at the time. I It was, it was honestly super overwhelming because I was meeting like professional athletes and industry representatives and I just didn't like, wasn't able to speak the language and didn't really know what was going on. And now since I've been at TGR and my internship with Freeb, I just feel so much more in the loop and um, having photographed a bunch of different events, I felt like really confident going to the different events and feeling like I can own it. So it was really cool to kind of see my growth in the year and, and feel like I could bring all those skills that I learned to the table. And um actually like produced a lot of really good work I like I, I still think I have a lot to learn and get better in but uh, looking back through my photos I, I kind of like I don't know I wish I could go back a year and be like Katie like look what you've done <laughs> it's cool just to see growth since that time <laughs> yeah that is a super cool thing to be able to do from a creative um I don't know like the creative profession and and growing as a person and growing as a creative so that's really exciting for you yeah. And, um, like, I feel like crank, like those kind of events are really cool standards to use almost because, you know, yeah, the courses change, but it's kind of like a lot of the same athletes. So seeing how I photograph, for example, joyride 
last year compared to this year, it's like really cool to see what I did differently and where I think I improved and, and there's still things I feel like I could do better. So my hope is to keep going each year and I can kind of just, you know, look back and see the progression, which is really excited, exciting as a creative. What, what did you do better? What are you stoked on? Um, yeah, I think that one thing, and it sounds really silly saying it, but I was more mobile. Like I really like, so with the cool thing with Joyride is like they practice, I'm going to say four, four times before the main event. So as a photographer, it's really great because you can just really practice your shots and kind of get a sense of like the framing. Um, especially if you can, if you go the same time of day, granted, it didn't really matter this year because it was smo- so smoky. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can practice lighting and just really get a sense of what you're doing. So I did that. And then um, I just really worked hard to keep changing where I was because my first year photographing it, I found a shot that I really liked and then just sat there and kept shooting it over and over, seeing how I could do it better, which is not bad necessarily. But then when I looked back on the event, I realized I didn't really have a story, essentially. Um, so now I kind of shoot with the minds of like, how can I tell the story of this event? And that means like having two cameras on my shoulder that one's wide and one has a zoom lens so I can quickly switch from one another and, and tell the same shot from a different perspective. Um, and then it also means just like being ready to run from one jump to the next um, while the riders are changing. So that way, you know, you have so many different shots versus just like one. Cause you can't really, you can't sell a story if you just only have one location, if that makes sense. Totally. Um, yeah. So it's cool. I like that. And that was one thing I realized after the fact last year, cause it was like, Oh, like I wish I had like played around more, especially um, these events are just such good opportunities to practice with your shooting because you have like these elite athletes and they're all doing the same thing. You know, they're varying their tricks, but they're all going down the same course. So you can really, you know, experiment with panning or experiment with like a different angle. And it's like a really cool way to practice that way. Now I can take those skills for like other projects I want to pursue. Yeah. And also it helps when they're all hitting the same features. So you can see like how big someone goes and you can plan out, I don't know, like how to frame them in the shot. Cause when you're in a natural habitat with less repetition, it's so hard to gauge how big an athlete will go or how, how they'll hit something. If it's someone that you don't normally bike or ski with. Yeah, definitely. And I think for myself, like we have jumps out here on Teton Pass and they're, they're decent and I can practice with those, but the kind of things that they're throwing at events like this, there's just really no way (laughs) to practice that. (laughs) Um, And I know the more I do this, I'll, I'll have like a better, I think that's one thing I know that I need to work more on and that's only going to come with practice, but is the spatial awareness of like what you're talking about. Um, Yeah. If you don't, if you're not constantly looking through your viewfinder and kind of getting a sense of like how much a person's filling the frame, um, it's really hard to get creative and compose a shot when that's, that's like, that's the basic requirement of doing action sports photography is like making sure you get the athlete doing what they're supposed to be doing. Exactly. <laughs> Which I feel like that was, that was step one for me. Now it's like, okay, I can do that. They're, they're in focus. Now can I like add foreground or can I add blur? And that's where I get, I get super excited and geek out about this. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Do you share a mattress with someone and one, one person likes the mattress soft and squishy and the other person likes the mattress to be hard, like they're sleeping on the floor? 
There's mattresses out there for that. I don't know what they are, but I can tell you about a great creative agency, Wheelie Creative, where we know nothing about mattresses and everything about branding. I fooled you, you thought that was gonna be a mattress ad, but really it's for a creative agency. So um, yeah, Wheelie Creative is a company that I own and uh, we believe that life should be lived, felt, and shouted from mountaintops. And therefore, Wheelie is a new school creative agency for people who thrive outside. We do branding, strategy, content, tons of video work, tons and tons of product launches. WheelieCreative.com, you won't regret it and we know nothing about mattresses. Yes, so you are, you recently got promoted into a new position with TGR, so now you're, you are a digital content contributor. What uh, what does that involve for you? Yeah, um, yeah, it was really exciting. I So since February, I have been a contracted staff writer, um, which that itself has been really exciting because, um, writing is a newer skill or newer thing that I've been doing. Um, so for the past couple months, I've been focusing on that, but my formal background is in, on the creative side and with photography. So any opportunity I could, I was trying to work in my photo skills. And so, um, and it's been really cool because my, like the people up top have been seeing that and it's obviously as an action sports media house, like a really valuable skill to be bringing to the table. Um, and for those who don't really know what we do at TGR, I mean, I feel like everyone is pretty aware of the films that we produce. That's like our, our staple thing, but we have a website and like an editorial feed that we upkeep. Like that's my biggest contribution to the team is, is through our editorial needs. And so um, what we're trying to move forward into is doing more multimedia features. Um, and we're already kind of doing it. Like if you go on our site right now, we have this series called the far out ones, which is pretty rad. And, uh, it's featuring, it's going to profile the 21 different athletes in our upcoming movie, which I didn't even realize we had that many athletes, but we, we do. And it's really cool. And so what we mean by multimedia is, you know, we we have like the standard written story and then a collection of photos from the trip, but now we're working in like video clips, um, that maybe, are either from the film or, or extra. And then we're trying to do more podcast style integration. So it's kind of cool. There's all these like little extra pieces to it. Um, and so, and then I helped kind of curate and push out a series that is going to come to an end um, in the next month. And it's called Shifting Gears. And it's about a selection of women in the mountain biking industry that are kind of shaking things up and carving a name for themselves. And so that's been multimedia in the sense that we have done podcast interviews and collected the photos and video content for that too. So right now my job day to day is mostly going to be writing, but like I went up to Crankworks as we just talked about and um, was collecting photos and, and doing our social. So that title now allows me to kind of integrate those other skills. And um, depending on how we grow with this kind of new format of storytelling, um, I'm excited to see what that means for my job, I guess. Yeah, I love in shifting gears how it's almost like a landing page with like tons of different uh, media elements, you know, from photo to video. And then, yeah, I think I think you're right. There's a podcast in there. So I think I think TGR is doing some innovative stuff on the digital front. Yeah, it's it's really cool to be part of it. I mean, I will always love print and I definitely 
um, miss writing for print, but I think that it kind of just seems silly not to be pushing boundaries when it comes to the digital side, because there's always going to be power in written word and, and really good photographs. But if, if we can integrate this, these extra elements to elevate a story and kind of, I don't know, like, for example, when I did the Sarah Durrell piece um, about the women's coordinator position at SRAM, it was really cool to record this kind of like, like the podcast, you feel like you're just sitting there with her and having like a really candid conversation. Um, so it's cool to feel like you're integrated into that, if that makes sense. You know, you're hitting every, every sense. Yeah, totally. <laughs> if that made sense at all. It's, it's, yes. And it's really fun having you on the podcast because you do so much interviewing um, for TGR that it's fun to have you as the interviewee and not, not on my side. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely different. <laughs> You know, I think one interesting thing from my perspective is that we, as an agency, spend a lot of time working with brands and telling brand stories, and it's not really editorial like TGR. Um, so what's your experience? What do you like better, working on the editorial, or do you prefer working working on the brand side of things? And uh, I guess, like, you know, the cliche word is storytelling, but, uh, you know, do you, do you prefer that on the brand or the editorial side? Um, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, because before I got my job with TGR, granted I was interning at Freehub, but I was actually working at a creative agency. Um, and so we worked with uh, a bunch of different Seattle based outdoor brands like Stanley, Thermarest. Um, I'm trying to remember. So it was really interesting working from that perspective. Um, so I feel like I have like kind of like a solid taste of both. Uh, I think I'm always going to prefer editorial because I think, um, I don't know. I, I think that like you're just satisfying different needs. Um, and at first, I think when I worked with the creative agency, it was a little jarring at first because it felt like a little bit too commercial to me. But I think that when you step back and realize like brands need to have their story told and I think if you're working for brands that you believe in and you really support their cause, then that's really cool to get to be that middleman and and feel figure out like the most effective way to tell their story. But I think I would just gravitate more towards the editorial side because I feel like I get the opportunity to work with um, people more on the day-to-day side versus brands. Um, but yeah, it's been really cool to like test both both and get the experience from either. Absolutely. And I think those lines get blurred a little bit with all like the paid content out there and paid editorial, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so yeah, just doing the best to honor the humans on the side of a brand and the humans in a, you know, journalistic setting. And I think uh, it's exciting and fun. Yeah. And I guess that's a really good point too. I've, you know, on the editorial side, it's not purely organic. Like I've done my fair share of advertorial Um, And I think we've made a good job of showing that this is like an integrated thing. Like we're not just organically highlighting the ski pass or this resort. Um, But yeah, I think at the end of the day with any of those situations, I I definitely come back to the thought of like, well, is this a story that I believe in? Is this a brand that I feel okay supporting? And if I, if those boxes are checked and then I, then I get excited because at the end of the day, it's just, it's another story that I get to tell, which is, pretty cool yeah absolutely so what uh in your opinion what makes a good story oh (laughs) oh my gosh these are good questions (laughs) 
Um, I really love stories that are just like multi-layered, I guess. Um, and that take like for myself, I, I feel like I, I have a problem where I over interview, (laughs) um, when I like probably could get all the answers in maybe like a 10 or 20 minute interview. But, but for example, like one of the stories that I really loved, um, that I got a chance to work on was with this professional splitboarder named Amanda Hankinson. Um, and she basically told us, uh, or opened up to us about her struggle with mental illness and addiction. Um, and for that, I just kind of felt that it had to happen very organically and I had to just let her speak about her life. And it obviously like I dictated the interview here and there, but, um, God, I think our conversation was like an hour and a half to two hours. And, um, not to say every interview I do is like that, but I think that when you really are trying to get a good story, you just kind of have to let the person really open up and, and dig for those extra questions. And, you know, granted, I don't even think I needed to hear all of that, but it really helped me understand who she was and where she was coming from. Um, and so, you know, not everything I get to do at TGR gets to be this like really in-depth multi-layer thing. But, um, when I have those opportunities to pursue stories like that, um, I think it just takes the extra effort to really sit down and kind of like dig deeper respectfully as you can and, and try to find that extra, extra stuff. Yeah. And like finding some type of overarching, like really big lofty concept and, and that everyone can relate to and kind of like using one person as a catalyst for that story and um, that concept so that everybody can be like, oh, wow, you know, identify with, even though it's one person telling their point of view, it kind of relates to a bigger concept. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, um, you know, as a journalist, I definitely, I have this really big head problem of just kind of always like thinking in my head, like, oh, could that be a story? Which I guess is not bad because I'm curious and I'm always thinking something out. But um, I also think it needs to happen. Like, and it also needs to come to me. And so um, the reason why I feel like Amanda and I were able to have such a really honest and open conversation is because we had been able to um, we met or we met through um, No Man's Land Film Festival, which was actually really cool. And uh, we were able to like build this relationship over time. And, uh, and she made it clear that she's like, I want to kind of be an advocate for this and, um, and almost use this story to be something that people can come back to and relate to in a broader sense for mental illness, which was really cool. Um, so I think, you know, if I went up to someone who I didn't know at all, that it'd be so much harder to find or really dig deep and get that really multi-layered story that I'm looking for, if that makes sense. Yeah. What do you mean by multi-layered? Um, I think like I, a lot of the stories I write, I just, I, I, I want to do, you know, like your background and, and, and just really go through the course of someone's life. I got to really do that with Sarah Jarrell. Um, and, you know, I don't know if it was completely necessary, but it was really cool to, so for those who don't know, I guess I should preface it too. Um, in Shifting Gears, the first part of that series was about Sarah Durrell, who is the women's program coordinator for SRAM. Um, but she's also this just master mechanic, a phenomenal mechanic. Like she used to be the mechanic for the Paralympic team in 2012 for the London London Olympics. And uh, I just basically was like, you know, let's start from <laughs> let's start from youth. Like, what was your childhood like? Because I think that 
it's really cool to kind of see the trends that or like kind of things that like led you to where you are today. Um, and I think that's important. I think that's interesting. And so, you know, she talked about how she used mountain biking really early on as like a sense of freedom and, and a way to explore her tiny hometown of North Carolina. Um, and for her, mountain biking was always like a way of empowerment. Um, and I think that when you look at the course of her life and to now how she's really advocating to get more women on bikes, um, it's cool to see how like these really early on things, such as just recognizing that mountain biking is something that can get her outside and with her friends and exploring. Um, it's cool to see kind of that paralleled and continued through her life. Yeah, that's a really human human approach to journalism, I tell you. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I don't know if that's unique or normal, but I guess that's kind of like how I'm approaching it. And it seems to, I, I don't know, I seem to enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I think it's pretty unique to you. Um, I've done a lot of interviews throughout different different things that I've done in my life. And I think the interview that you did for um, our Wheelhouse Workshops event was like, I think that was the best interview anyone had ever done that I had been a part of. I was like, holy shit, that was amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, and I guess I should throw this out here as a disclaimer. I didn't go to school for journalism. <laughs> um, so I think that I'm, I guess I'm, I, I am bringing such a unique perspective to it um, and kind of just carving out my own path. And so, you know, for those who are in the creative world that want to do something that they don't really feel completely qualified for like not to say it doesn't matter and if you want to be a writer you should probably <laughs> take a couple English classes mm -hmm. um but like don't feel like because you aren't formally trained in something that that limits you like because you can bring in these other skills and I think that's probably one of my bigger strengths is you know I come from such a creative world I majored mo mostly in photography and graphic design and other forms of visual communication and so now when I think of storytelling I think more of like how can I craft this story and what are the elements I want to bring into it? And then um, I've been learning through my colleagues of like, oh, these are the maybe like the formal things I should think about. <laughs> um, so yeah, like you don't, you don't have to be like, quote unquote, like trained in something um, to thrive. You can still learn those skills by doing, I, at least I believe. Yes. I think, uh, I think, yeah, I think you have to have curiosity. Like, I think curiosity is the most important thing a creative person can bring to work with them because then you're examining things, like whether it's design and arranging things differently or journalism and you're trying to tell a different story or ask different questions. Like, I just think curiosity is the most valuable thing you can have. Definitely. Are you one of those people that, like all of us, really struggles to get it all in in one day? Like there's so much to do between work and life and skiing and skiing and more skiing that no one has time to go to the grocery store. You don't have time. I don't have time. Well, guess what? There's a solution where you can get food ordered to your door. It's awesome. But you know what's even more awesome? WheelieCreative.com. It's a creative agency for outdoor brands. We believe that life should be lived, felt, and shouted from mountaintops. And Wheelie is a new school creative agency for people who thrive outside. But wait, you may be thinking, Lisa, isn't that your company? Yes, it is. And I'm paying them to edit this podcast. So you get to hear about it. You thought you were going to hear about some type of food delivery service, but I fooled you into listening to another Wheelie creative commercial. 
So check it out, wheeliecreative.com. Branding, strategy, design, all kinds of good stuff for the outdoor industry. Um, ooh, here's a good question for you. What's your advice to marketing managers when they go to work with photographers or, um, you know, digital media companies such as TGR? What's your advice in general? Hmm. Like of how to do it better or? Yeah. Or what kind of stories to tell or how to, the best way to work with a photographer, just anything you've learned along the way is like how marketing managers in the outdoor industry can carry themselves in a creative situation. Yeah. Um, I think I would, I think, Ooh, sorry. I'm like trying to, this is a really, really good question. Um, so I feel like I'll have like three answers and they may not all be concise. <laughs> um, I definitely think that marketing managers should be challenged to pursue stories that make them uncomfortable. Ooh, yeah, that's, that's probably it. <laughs> Um, and I think that we're seeing that trend in the action sports community. Um, but you know, like you're seeing this huge surge of female content, which I think is really awesome. And I think that, um, definitely a lot of brands are waking up to the fact like, well, we have not really served this need. And there's like definitely this part of our audience that's really not, that hasn't been marketed to, um, which is really awesome. Um, and I think that we could be pushing that more in terms of, um, diversity and LG, LGBTQ communities as well. Um, I feel like I've seen a lot of content in the outdoor world coming out of uh, focusing on women, but I think that we could even push that, push that even more and be a little more aggressive about it and have it just feel authentic. Cause it's really tricky because I feel like, you know, we're seeing all this come about and we're seeing all these really awesome initiatives um, like REI had the force of nature, which is really, really cool. And then the North face is doing, I think, I believe it's, she moves mountains, but it's, it's, I guess it's interesting being on the side of like, I'm part of this, like I'm with TGR and we're helping promote more content in that sense. But also as a consumer, it's interesting. Cause I'm like, it's still like a marketing scheme. So like, I, I, I really want to push, I guess, marketers to like, at least have it be authentic. Like don't do it just cause it's trendy. Does, if that makes sense. So, uh, and, and I say that in the sense of like, actually just like, just include more voices and like get more, see, then this is like such a, this is such a like important thing to be talking about. So like, I want to make sure I'm talking about it. Right. But, um, yeah, I just, I really want to see marketers, I guess, have it be authentic, you know? Um, and I say that by actually getting like more female athletes in front of consumers, more people of color in front of consumers and not just say like, this is something I'm doing, but actually having someone present and more so in their advertisements um, and in their media. And I think that you're seeing like with the She Moves Mountain campaign, I think they're doing a really good job because they're highlighting not only just athletes like Hillary Nelson or uh, Margot Hayes, but they, and I, I can't remember her name, but they profiled an African-American scientist, which is really cool, um, and told her story of how she's trying to design rockets for going to Mars. And that's really rad that, you know, that we're expanding the conversation, ju not just to athletes, but to these people who have these other 
really incredible roles that women can aspire to in a sense. Um, and that's a, I think that's a really relevant discussion that we need to be having. Does that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think like just presenting women as the, um, you know, the main character in a story, like having, having a female, just having them be present. Yeah. Um, with speaking roles and, you know, like, uh, some you know be featured in things and and be the protagonist like just giving women or you know people people of, of diverse backgrounds like let let them be the protagonist yeah there's there's a difference with just throwing someone in an advertisement you know and like oh now some of our advertisements are like have more women versus actually giving that person a voice and showing them in this position of leadership and as you're saying being that protagonist um because I think that that and I, I it's interesting seeing marketing kind of move towards this kind of like experiential based of storytelling. Um, like you like I noticed, especially with a lot of brands we're working with, like we're including them because they want to feel like they're part of this adventure. They're helping fuel this awesome expedition. And so, um, you know, if we have these brands helping fund this film that we're doing and that film features more women like that says does so much more than just having a woman in an advertisement and one thing I thought about um where I where I see this actually ring true is um with the brand Juliana and the mountain biking brand um they have this really awesome team called the Juliana Free Agents and it's a team that the brand supports which is essentially a bunch of privateers but they race together um and they're competing in Enduro World Series events throughout the country, and they are just in Canada, and they'll also compete up in um, Quebec. But, you know, by Juliana supporting those women, it, it just shows, like, there's there's more of a story to their brand through these women who are athletes, but they're also, um, you know, they're not full-time athletes, which I think is really interesting. Like, my friend Alex, who's on the team, she's going, she's getting ready to go to med school, um, and she works in the ER. And so it's really cool because me as a consumer can look at Juliana and be like, wow, this is a bike that's for this top performing athlete, but it's also for a woman who has a full-time job. Um, and I feel like it just brings more character and more personality to their brand versus if I look at some other bike brands that don't really have anything similar. And I, I see, for example, um, a bike brand that only has like these role models as high top level, top level elite athletes. It's, it makes it a little bit harder for women who want to get into the sport to relate to almost because you know like I can't I can't jump off of a 20 foot jump or you know do a backflip like that just that that's not me and so it's really interesting to see how um I I really give Juliana kudos because I think that it's really awesome to highlight women in that sense of not just being this rad athlete which is definitely valuable and needed in the industry but also you know highlighting the fact that they're also doing these incredible things day to day too yes yeah yeah I know Alex as well she's hilarious oh yeah did you meet her at Rome yeah I met her at Rome Fest yeah she's awesome yeah that's why I think of like events like Rome Fest are so important to like an entire category of women's mountain biking because you you get to meet all these incredible women and from all over the country in like a pretty low low pressure atmosphere and just have a good time Mm. yeah and I think um it was interesting chatting with Ash and Andy about that and I think that's probably one of the most powerful things about their festival is 
you know, you bring in all these women and they get to actually have like a face-to-face relationship with brands um, and get to like, for example, when Jeanette Sherman's there with Yeti, like you get to know Yeti through Jeanette and she's awesome. And it, it becomes, when I go and look at Yeti bikes, like I think of her and I think of all the incredible women I met through Rome. Um, and I think that it's probably something brands should consider more is how do we do these like direct face-to-face interactions um, to kind of tell our story. And I had a really interesting chat with Sarah from SRAM. I feel like I keep bringing her up because she's just so awesome. But, um, you know, at Crankworks, she hosts these women's clinics and those are um, a whole range of things, but there's women's, you know, women's uh, writing clinics, which are free, which is awesome. Um, and you get to sign up for these clinics and go for a trail ride or downhill ride and, and get two to, I think it's two hours of free coaching um, with these incredible SRAM ambassadors, which are either former athletes or professional coaches and uh, get to just l- work on your skills. And then also she has these technical clinics and when she talks about the SRAM products and how to adjust your suspension, like all these really daunting things in mountain biking um, that she makes really not that scary anymore. And when I think of SRAM, I think of that, you know, I mean, obviously they make really great products and I'm excited to have that on my bike, but I'm also personally am going to be a SRAM customer for the rest of my life because I see what they're doing. And I think of Sarah and all the incredible women that I met at that event. Um, so I think that it's really cool to see companies kind of move into that direction. And it's something I think that they should explore more. Heck yeah. That was a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Um, is there anything I haven't asked you about that you, that you want to cover? Um, I'm trying to think of what else I would love to talk about kind of some of the things that we're doing at TGR. Yeah. Tell me, tell me what you guys have going on at TGR. Yeah. So we, um, have four films out. Well, actually, okay. So we have two films that are out, um, Andy Irons, Kiss by God, and then Mountain in the Hallway. And then we have also, um, with our snow film tour coming out is our um, annual ski film far out. And then we'll also have uh, this like little sleeper project that it's kind of fun that we put it out. Cause I feel like it caught people off guard, but it's called Odemir. Um, and it's been really exciting to be with the company because for example, with Andy Irons, Kiss by God, it's about Andy Irons, who's a three-time world champion surfer um, who passed away from overdose. And it's been really cool to see, the project finally get, get out there and and come to life because, you know, it's about his incredible life and, you know, the struggles he dealt with in his life and how he suffered with addiction and bipolar disease, but was still able to, you know, be a three-time world champion surfer. And, um, I think that it is kind of really setting the standard for action sports as far as how we kind of need to start pushing into handling these heavier issues. Um, and really a responsibility that we need to have as um, ones in the media, because I think that the trend for so long in action sports has been to kind of just produce something really rad and sick and, you know, um, almost just focus on stoke. But in reality, there's like a lot of pain and there's a lot of struggle. And um, it's been really exciting to be part of a company that values that discussion and recognizes that, you know, through these stories, we can connect with people who may not even be surfers, right? Or 
may not even be professional athletes and they can find solace and comfort through someone else's story. And I think that's, that's the most impactful and powerful thing that stories can do. Right. Um, and, uh, we have another film that we just released and it's just, um, it's available online so you can watch it anytime. And, um, it's called mountain in the hallway and it deals with these two gentlemen's struggle with uh, colon cancer and their desire to climb the grand Teton is kind of like this motivating factor to overcome that struggle. And, uh, I won't reveal too much about the movie, but it's, it's some pretty heavy stuff and, um, you know, you'll, 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 you will cry (laughs) watching it. And, uh, it's really exciting just to be part of that and be able to think of like, how can we, with our day-to-day work, integrate stories like that and, and maybe use the platform that we have to really like, like make a change and make a difference. And so, um, you know, I've only been with TGR since February, but for me, something that's always been really, something that's really motivated me is like trying to tell more stories of women. And um, it's been awesome to be part of a team that sees the value in that and is really supportive of that. And um, I think that we can only just continue to grow. And, and I think we can do a better job as far as not only continuing those narratives of women, but include more stories of diversity and um yeah, I, I'm really excited to see what is on the horizon. That's so cool. Yeah. That's nice. That's uh that's like a very deep like duality of man kind of thing to show all the stoke, but show, you know, the reality of being human as well. Yeah, and I think um like you know the the stoke is not gonna go away. <laughs> Um, it's always going to be part of what we do. And I, I think there's definitely a place for it, but, um, you know, in actuality, there's just like, there's a lot of pain that people haven't really talked about. And it, it even boils down to the simplicity of like, you know, what about these athletes that get hurt and they're not able to compete anymore? Like who, who talks about that? Or, um, there's a lot of depression in mountain communities and there's a lot of struggle, um, within these sports. And I think that for so long, we've kind of turned a blind eye to it. And I've only focused on who's doing the biggest trick or who's catching the most air. But in reality is like, there's a lot of this like real human elements that we're not really addressing. And I think we need to kind of start talking about the whole picture. Um, And so it's, it's really cool. I think that not just at TGR or even in the outdoor community that I think that people are finally starting to realize that we need to have like a more open discussion about things like mental illness. Um, and we obviously have a ways to go, but it's kind of, it, it, it is really cool to see this progression, at least from my, my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. At least you'll have lots of time to think about that while you're sitting around with a broken collar. <laughs> yeah. God. <laughs> Well, and it's, it, I think that's like probably like the biggest thing we need away in, in, by like participating in these sports. And I mean, I, I don't have to weigh it too much because I want to be a photographer, but if I were an athlete, it's like, oh God, how do you, you know, how do you deal with getting an injury all the time? Like that's just, that's rough. <laughs> oh yeah. You know, I just, you know, I think also like working in an environment and a, in a place where you're not happy and in the mountains and doing what makes you feel alive would be um, just as painful as a broken collarbone. So yeah, definitely. 
You just gotta gotta do what makes you happy, even if it means getting hurt sometimes. Yeah, no, I would agree. Awesome, Katie. Well, have uh, have an awesome day. Thank and you. Thanks for making. Yeah, time. awesome chat with you. We'll talk soon. Yeah. You can follow Katie on Instagram at. at Katie Lowe dot photo. I recommend you follow her if you like mountain biking because her photos are sick. And you can also go to her website, katielozansich.com, or follow her on Teton Gravity Research's website. And she writes all the time. You'll see her there all the time. And uh, yeah, thanks so much for being here. Tune in next week when we have my friend Jen Gorecki from Coalition Snow. Jen is someone I feel that I can just talk to about whatever, and she's amazing. And uh, I think you're going to love Jen. She's, she's tough. She's a good, good, good person. So we are a ski and snowboard company, but very fair question of how does a snowboarder even get into skis? And um, I would say that it was probably the best and worst decision I've ever made in my life um, to do this uh, because it, is really hard. I mean, just everything that you would think about is difficult, but I was out on a backcountry ski trip. I was on my split board, the skiers, and we were just talking about what was happening in the industry and going on with women and things were starting to feel like they were changing a little bit. So we were just talking about the representation of women in media, the way that they were being portrayed through photography. Um, and it just sort of created this larger conversation about what would be a way to really shake up the industry. Um, and also for forever, we've known that women just need to have more choices when it comes to a, when it comes to their equipment. And when we were having this conversation six years ago, like this was way before the whole, you know, hashtag shrink it and pink it and lady boss, like ski and snowboard companies weren't having these discussions about women 